In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. Donald Trump has been indicted in Atlanta. We have so many court dockets to follow, but we haven't really seen anything yet. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution has covered every moment of this historic case. I've been writing about this investigation for two and a half years. Our team is led by reporters Bill Rankin and Tamar Hallerman. Follow our coverage on AJC.com and listen to new in-depth episodes of the award-winning podcast, Breakdown, The Trump Indictment, only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the Politically Georgia podcast, where we bring you news and analysis from all the latest Georgia shenanigans in Congress and under the Gold Dome. And today we are joined by a very special guest, Mayan Schechter of the state in Columbia, who has just dominated coverage of the South Carolina primary for, you know, we were starting to tune in a few weeks ago, but you've been covering this race for, it seems like the last two years. It, it definitely, it definitely feels that way. <laughs> <laughs> well, your, your AJC pals, Bluestein and, and Tia Mitchell, were, were watching from afar, and we were there for a few days before the vote, but we wanted to bring in Mayan, who's a real expert in South Carolina, and also a graduate of Lakeside High in Metro Atlanta, and now the top political reporter at the state. So That's she great. knows the state's politics better than anyone around. Mayan, thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Well, what a night. You were all over the airwaves. You must be exhausted. It's just now hours after uh, the, the uh, election results were, were in. Um, were you surprised at all at the size of Joe Biden's blowout victory in South Carolina? Yes and no. I mean, that was always the big question, right? Like we, we always knew we can... Cons- we always knew that he was considered the favorite to win the South Carolina primary. We just didn't know by how wide or slim of a margin. And so when the results came out super fast last night, that was a little surprising. But when we saw the margin between Biden and Bernie Sanders, I mean, it just really went to show how, 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 how strong of a relationship Biden has had with the state. And also, I think what it showed is really how impactful Congressman Clyburn's endorsement was three days before the primary. It it sort of felt like all these sort of things, these dominoes that sort of collapsed uh, right ahead of the, of the primary really kind of boosted him to to have this momentum to create that wide margin. But yeah, I mean, I don't think that I, I don't think I thought, and I can't speak for everyone here, that that margin was going to be so wide. I, I thought that Bernie Sanders, given the fact that he was able to kind of build upon his 2016 foundation here, his 2016 coalition would have come just a little bit closer because a couple of weeks ago, the polls that we were seeing were very tight, very, very close. And then right before the primary here, they were getting a bit wider. So yeah, I mean, for me personally, I was I was a little bit surprised just how how well he did in the state. A lot of people are saying, attributing to, including you on, on the airwaves last night, the Clyburn effect. Um, and you said you had talked to so many voters in those closing days who, who, who it seemed like many of them had mentioned Clyburn's Wednesday endorsement of Joe Biden as one of the, the main factors in their decisions. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think there was some exit polling that came out last night that showed 40, 47% of voters um, said that the Clyburn endorsement was a contributing factor to their vote. I mean, this is somebody that is incredibly well-respected in this state. I mean, he's the the highest-ranking African-American in Congress. He's a third-ranking Democrat in the U.S. House of Representatives. This is someone who walks into a room here, and he just commands respect, and his opinion matters. I mean, if you're a Democrat running for office, this is the endorsement that you really, really want, right? We always talk about, do endorsements really matter? Well, in South Carolina, and potentially outside of South Carolina, I guess we'll see that uh, as as the race goes into Super Tuesday and beyond that, even in Georgia, it's just how big of an impact that endorsement can have. But this is someone who um, can help, obviously, kind of sway an election. I mean, for a lot of people, what was really interesting, and I was I was thinking about this this morning, the the percentage of undecided voters in the state ahead of yesterday's primary was was pretty sizable. I mean, they were in the double digits, and so the fact that Clyburn came in three days before the primary endorsed Biden, which was a kind of a, you know, the worst kept secret, right? Um, Mm -hmm. The fact that he did that, I mean, it it just goes to show how powerful that is. I was looking at a map today. I mean, nearly every county went Biden. And so it shows how how big of an impact uh, that Clyburn's endorsement may, may have had. And even up until the primary, I would talk to voters about uh, whether that was going to be a contributing factor. And they said, oh, it's definitely something that I'm going to consider now that he's come out and said it publicly. So it, it absolutely mattered here in South Carolina for Joe Biden. Yeah, you're right. I mean, when nearly half the state's Democratic electorate says in exit polls that it was important, that his endorsement was important, it, it says a lot. And I'm trying to think of a parallel in Georgia. The closest thing I can think of would be Stacey Abrams, who has not taken a side in the presidential contest and said she won't. Um, but we've already had some some high profile, but lesser, you know, less influential than Stacey Abrams uh, folks who have endorsed, like Michael Thurman just endorsed for Mike Bloomberg, and Joe Biden's picked up uh, the lion's share of endorsements in Georgia. But that figure, the Clyburn-like figure in Georgia right now, would have to be Stacey Abrams, who has said she will stay on the sidelines, and and she's been friendly with with both Biden and Bloomberg. Bernie Sanders, she hasn't said anything negative about him, but but not as not as aligned um, with him quite yet. But yeah, you know, it's amazing what what that groundwork and what those long relationships will get you in South Carolina. Absolutely. I mean, that's that's kind of what we've we've seen, especially with some of these lower polling candidates, um, other moderates like Amy Klobuchar and and Pete Buttigieg. I was asked all the time, like, why didn't they appeal super well to black voters in South Carolina? And a lot of it is that relationship. I mean, voters here still at the end of the day, this is, you know, rural politics, right? Like they want to know you like they know your neighbors. Mm -hmm. They want to see you in their communities. And and Pete and and Amy Klobuchar just didn't really, didn't really do that ground game. I mean, some I was talking to a um, a political advisor yesterday for uh, Cory Booker when he was running here, and he was saying, you know, look, you know, Pete Buttigieg can talk all day about you know how black voters he just you know tried to talk to them and he met with them, but they just you know they they heard his message, they just weren't really like vibing with it. That you know that that that. That was something that Pete Buttigieg sort of like focused on as to why he didn't do so well. But he was like, no, I mean, he he came here, he campaigned 
in, in, you know, a couple years prior, you know, when he was running over at the DNC, came, you know, he could have come to South Carolina and gotten to know the voters here. So, yeah, at the end of the day, like building those relationships goes a long way. Joe Biden has, you know, 30 years plus of building relationships here in South Carolina, and he considers this place almost his second home. And I think because of that, voters here in South Carolina see him as just like, another South Carolinian. Now, speaking of another South Carolinian, the other candidate who spent an enormous amount of time there was was Tom Steyer, who ended up dropping out of the race last night. And when he did so, he said that he's looking to figure out some way to stay in South Carolina, either as a resident or, or have business interests there. But he was one of those folks that you guys on the ground there were, 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 were telling you know reporters like me from out of state, like, don't be surprised if he does better than you think you know, after really dismal finishes in, in Iowa, New Hampshire, and Nevada, that this was a guy who, who, could, who could show at least double-digit support, and he did, but not enough to stay in the race. Right. right. I mean, Tom Sire was such a wild card in South Carolina, right? Because he wasn't registering really on any polls nationally. He wasn't doing super hot in any of the other uh, early voting contests. And, and frankly, and this is, you know, People outside of South Carolina and even in South Carolina were kind of discounting his candidacy. And I would always say, look, we cannot make the same mistakes that were made in 2016 by discounting, you know, we discounted Donald Trump. We really shouldn't play that same kind of game heading into this. We should take his candidacy seriously. I mean, he's spending millions of dollars on on television ads, on digital ads. He's taking out spots in black owned media is taking out full page ads in, in college newspapers. And it's, and it even goes beyond that. I mean, he had one of the, one of the highest number of staffers here on the ground. I think it, I think it may have reached past a hundred. He also was just incredibly accessible to, to voters here. I mean, he would come to these rural communities and he would hold block parties and he would have sit downs and he would listen to, to their issues and he would hear them out and he would you know, take notes really diligently. And so there there was this sort of level of, of accessibility that voters in South Carolina were, were really sort of drawn to. So I, I just didn't feel like it would be smart to discount Tom Steyer's mm-hmm. candidacy here. He was able to draw in voters, this is what I'm trying to say, he was able to draw in voters that, you know, we're talking about older black voters, which is the majority of the Democratic Party primary electorate here in South Carolina. And those are Joe Biden voters, right? So the fact that he was he was able to kind of snatch off these these voters from Joe Biden was something that we needed to, to fact Now, the one thing about Tom Steyer that is sort of fascinating and kind of, I think, revealed itself last night in the primary results is that his voters were incredibly fluid. Like you go to Joe Biden events, you go to Bernie Sanders events, the people that are going there, they love Biden, they love Sanders, they're in their camps, they're not, they're they're not, they're not leaving. But Tom Steyer voters consistently were some of the higher number of undecided voters that I would run into, which really went to show, and I think this goes back to the Clyburn endorsement, just how big of a deal that was. Because if you're a voter and you're thinking about Steyer and you're thinking about Biden, but then you, you hear that the, you know, the, the top Democratic, you know, kingmaker in South Carolina is coming out for Biden. I mean, you're going to likely maybe switch, you know, switch your mind because, you know, Clyburn, Clyburn's Clyburn's a, a, a relative, Clyburn's a friend, you know, you've known him for a long time. So that was an absolute wild card campaign and, and candidate uh, for of some Tom Steyer. So it's, it's very interesting to see how it all kind of resulted in, in last night's race. And, and the exit poll showed that a lot of those those undecided voters um, were, were late breaking towards Biden's camp. So it clearly shows that 
um, A, what we mentioned earlier, Clyburn's endorsement was huge, but B, I, I think that, and it may be a part of it's the coronavirus and worries about, about um, you know, a, a, a possible pandemic and just, just worries about national fears where a lot of voters went with who they felt more comfortable with. And in the end, that was someone who has had a presence in the state for yeah. a very, very long time. Absolutely. I mean, especially, you know, what Tom Steyer lacked. Joe Biden has that experience in politics. He, you know, when you when you talk to a lot of voters here about why Joe Biden is their guy, they'll say, well, you know, Barack Obama trusted him. I should trust him, too. And so this is someone who, yeah, I think he definitely was able to, to pick up a little leverage on on this 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 health sort of crisis or whatever you want to make of it. That is that is going on uh, nationally and internationally because he's had experience dealing with major issues in in Washington. D.C. So certainly I think, yeah, that definitely probably played a role in something that Joe Biden was able to latch on to and and look like the stronger candidate in the end. You mentioned you mentioned to the demographics of South Carolina, and that's why we in Georgia have been obviously paying so much closer attention. We've been watching New Hampshire and Nevada and Iowa, but you have an overwhelmingly African-American and older electorate. And that mirrors Georgia's demographic electorate. Obviously, uh, Georgia's population is, is is much bigger than South Carolina's, but our Democratic electorates are very, very similar in that like. And so goes South Carolina. Usually, so goes Georgia. But also, usually, we vote a few days after you guys in Super Tuesday. This time around, we're, we're far after. We're March 24th, when the race may or may not still even be, be going on, um, you know, in real time. Um, but, you know, this this the outcome in South Carolina mirrored what I would have expected the outcome in Georgia to be. Um, where you where you have so many African American voters rallying around Joe Biden um, in Georgia, you have he has he is not as I mentioned he hasn't locked up all the prominent black officials, but he's he's locked up a lot of them in, in terms of supporting. Um, and so South Carolina, you, you've got you've got very similar um, similar electorates there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I was explaining this to to some uh, someone on TV the last night maybe, and I, you know South Carolina Democrats here tend to be they're older, right? They're black, and they tend to be very traditional. Um, they tend to be conservative on on social issues. Um, they tend to be you know these are these are folks that they go to church every Sunday. They do after you know, church activities that are with the church. They're big on family, and so um, it it also it. It's why South Carolina, I think, is such an interesting and probably very strong indicator for for how older black voters are are going to vote because just the sheer number of older black voters that make up um, the demographics, but also um, black women. I mean, that that is the the uh, highest uh, uh, I mean, that is the demographic within within the party's uh, voting electorate that that votes. Right. So it's also a really good indicator to see how how black women probably, especially in the South, will vote. What's also interesting is that we did see very high numbers last night of white moderate voters, which um, could also be an interesting sort of um, something to watch for, especially in these other southern states. Right. I mean, we have some competitive races here and congressional seat races here um, that that particular demographic may have more sort of sway in. So it'll be interesting to see how maybe that portion of the electorate also translates in other states like Georgia. Yeah. So let's talk about Bernie Sanders too, because 
at the beginning of the week, when I was there earlier on last week, it seemed like he was angling for a knockout blow. It seemed like he had been getting more momentum behind his campaign, that he was going to put everything into to forcing Joe Biden out of the campaign and trying to make it a two-way race between him and him and Bloomberg going into Super Tuesday. And that seemed to fizzle pretty quickly. I mean, he was sore, he was rising in some of the South Carolina polls with, within striking distance in a few of them, right? Single digits within a few of them. And then it seemed like his kind of the air was let out of his campaign's balloon. Yeah, it's, it's it's kind of wild just how wide that margin was between him and Biden. I mean, he was trounced here in 2016 by Hillary Clinton. and Three to one, right? Was, 70-something to 20-something. Yeah, I mean, he and he was heavily criticized for, like, not investing the time in South Carolina, which, again, it goes back to the ground game. The ground game is how you win South Carolina. And so he just didn't spend enough time and enough resources in here. And, and to his credit, he really improved upon that. Um, in 2020, and this is something myself and my, my colleague up in D.C., Emma Dumain, wrote about last year. I mean, he they were knocking on more doors. They were calling more people. They had more uh, very vocal surrogates, right? They He really tapped into the Legislative Black Caucus at the State House. He was uh, more more of his surrogates were going on TV. I mean, we, we saw a change. He was going to colleges. He was holding big rallies. He was energizing that youth vote, which is, you know, an area that he has definitely been stronger than than say Joe Biden. Um, but yeah, I mean, the fact that that didn't turn into anything, I know he did, he did like two percentage points, maybe better than in 2016. Um, so the fact that that didn't turn into anything though, more, more than that is, is a show that again, this is our voting, our voter, uh, uh, voter base here of, among the democratic party is older, is, is, is black. It, you know, we're different than Nevada, right? We're, we don't have a large Hispanic Latino, co- uh, population here in South Carolina, which is a demographic that Bernie Sanders has done better in. Um, but it just, it, it goes to show, right? Like the voters here are traditional voters. They want to go with someone who they think who is going to be at the top of the ticket can at the end of the day, be Trump. So maybe even if they like Bernie Sanders' policy ideas, they're not totally sold that he's the one that's going to be able to beat Trump. And I think especially we heard, and I know you heard throughout your time in South Carolina, this repetition of down ballot race impact. I think that really got to a lot of voters here mm. because they're looking at particularly the Senate seat where Jamie Harrison, a Democrat, is trying to beat Republican Senator Lindsey Graham. And Jamie Harrison is like a protege of, of Clyburn. Uh, you know, they're looking at that and they're freaking out because they want to see their guy beat Lindsey Graham. So, yeah, I mean, that the blowout for Sanders was huge. And it'll be really interesting to see whether that has any sort of impact on Super Tuesday states. And it wasn't for lack of trying for Sanders, as you mentioned. I think you wrote a story last summer about his new approach. You know, he, he realized he saw the same results that the rest of us saw, his trouncing in South Carolina 16. And by the way, he also uh, lost Georgia, I think, by even a slightly bigger margin, if I remember correctly, um, a few days later. So, you know, he saw those numbers as well as the rest of us did and, and tried to take a different approach. And he might have improved on that a little bit, but still, uh, he has, it, this, this re- was a reminder that he still has deep fundamental issue, problems trying to attract African-American voters. 
Right. And I sort of wonder, I mean, like that that area that he's so good at, that tapping into the young voter area, this is where I think like a state like North Carolina becomes really interesting because there are much uh, uh, there, there's more pockets of like very active college scenes throughout North Carolina than here in South Carolina. And so I'm, I'm curious to see whether he's able to turn out that that youth vote, because, again, Young voters here do not turn out to vote just like they haven't really turned out in other states. Um, this is not, again, this is not 2008. And so I'm, I'm interested to see if he's able to tap into that demographic in some other states, because obviously what we're looking at here, it just it was not overwhelming quite like I think the campaign probably had hoped. So onward to Super Tuesday. Super Tuesday, though, confronts a new challenge because Mike Bloomberg enters the mix for the first time. He skipped the first four early voting states. You've got you've got a resurgent Joe Biden, winless up until Saturday, finally has that big victory. And of course, you've got Bernie Sanders, who is still, I guess, still the national frontrunner because he's still the leader in the polls. But but this mm-hmm. could, you know, South Carolina, as it has the tendency to do, is, it could really reshape the race. Yeah, and it, and it may have have done that. I mean, I was it was really interesting. I was walking around the 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 election night party for Joe Biden last night, and I had talked to this one voter who expressed a lot of concern about Biden heading into Super Tuesday states that, you know, especially with someone like Michael Bloomberg, who's able to dump even more money than Tom Steyer was. And and again, Bloomberg wasn't even on the ballot in South Carolina, but he was registering in some polling. Um, and he was certainly on the minds of some voters. And he's been on the minds of, you know, he's got two big surrogates here, my uh, Columbia Mayor Steve Benjamin and House Minority Leader Todd Rutherford. Um, but yeah, so this voter was very, very concerned. And then they listened to Biden speak last night and they listened to what Clyburn said last night when he was introducing Biden. I came back to that voter and I said, well, how do you how do you think he did? And the voter said, oh, he had a major glow up like he this is his time and he he is surging. So I think South Carolina definitely is 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 a very has is is proving to be a good springboard for Joe Biden. He's got, obviously got to keep that momentum going and, and raise money and actually build a stronger ground game. I mean, one of the one of the uh, criticisms of Joe Biden here over the past year was that he maybe should have focused more time on South Carolina and, and actually like done the work, you know, maybe bypassed Iowa, New Hampshire, you know, try to go for third, get out of there, come back to South Carolina. So I'm sure the campaign looking ahead now that they have this good momentum going is probably, you know, if they're if they're smart, they're they're looking at and I'm sure they all are looking at figuring out how to improve that ground game heading into those Super Tuesday states. Yeah, because look, that's where he has a big deficit right now. He has, he has, as you mentioned, like he ditched New New Hampshire, even as the the voters where the voters there were casting ballots right. to focus on uh, for for a late rally in in Columbia, you know, to, to put all his eggs in the uh, South Carolina basket. Um, now that he's won South Carolina, though, he's spent very little time in those Super Tuesday states. He spent a little bit of time, but very very little compared to. Well, particularly Bloomberg, but even Bernie Sanders, Amy Klobuchar, Pete Buttigieg, all of them were were all around the Super Tuesday states um, at the neglect of South Carolina over the last couple of days. And his infrastructure is lacking in some of those states, especially big ones like California. And also he hasn't been able to afford the same amount of airtime that particularly Mike Bloomberg has. And it's too late to buy that airtime now. Um, early voting has already started. So if he gets a bounce, we'll, we'll, we'll see how big that bounce is because some of the... So, you know, some of that die has already been cast. Like, so, 
right? I mean, early voting in, in some of the big states started days ago, weeks ago. So um, in Georgia, by the way, early voting starts Monday. So whatever happens over the last, over the next few weeks uh, might not matter even in Georgia that much either because voters are already starting to cast ballots here starting Monday. Right. And, and I mean, that, and that's the thing, you know, Biden had this sort of last minute surge here in South Carolina. It was like really during that last week, um, you know, he had that, that debate performance, which all of his supporters were very happy with. Then he got the Clyburn endorsement and then things just started, you know, looking positive for him. But yeah, is it too late? Because like you said, people had already started voting in these other Super Tuesday states early and they were looking at polls that should suggested, especially in South Carolina, that the race between Bernie Sanders and Joe Biden was was super, super close. So, yeah, I, I think that um, if they want to pull out a win in some of these Super Tuesday states, especially in a state like California, they, they will have to be much more aggressive and get him on the ground much more often. I mean, but what we've seen even this morning, I think he's in he's in Selma today for a church service. Um, so they are obviously and they're going to be sending a Clyde out to help out on the trail. So they're clearly looking at how they can take some of their structure here in South Carolina and kind of branch that out across Super Tuesday. The South Carolina model. Well, Mayan, thank you so much for joining us. You have absolutely dominated political coverage in South Carolina. Uh, I shouldn't even say the last couple of weeks because it's been the last couple of years where you've been <laughs> you've been following this race. I mean, I was looking at stories from early last year you you're doing on this contest that really provided valuable context and just showed the contours of a race that was a lot more complicated than it would seem. And although it was a blowout, um, it was not always destined to be a blowout. So a lot of a lot of things, a lot of different factors went into that. So thank you so much for covering it. Thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. That's all for this edition of the Politically Georgia podcast. Visit AJC.com slash politics for all the latest in Georgia news. I'm Greg Bluestein signing off. Hip hop is a product of black people. It's a product of black song and celebration. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution presents Hip hop's most pulled elements are pulled from the South. A Southern hip hop store. We always go back to that moment of the Source Awards. Everybody wants a rhythm, but they don't want some blues. The biggest names in hip-hop. Atlanta is still the mecca for hip-hop. 50 years. No one can deny. One film. The power of the South now. The South got something to say. Streaming now at AJC.com slash hip-hop. Our journalists at the Atlanta Journal-Constitution are working around the clock to keep you updated on all the developments surrounding the Trump indictment. Now the AJC is putting all of our coverage in one place with our new Trump 19 newsletter. Every Wednesday, you'll have our latest coverage and analysis on this historic case in your inbox. So sign up for free today at AJC.com slash indictment newsletter. That's all one word. AJC.com slash indictment newsletter.